Welcome back to the Weekly Driver Podcast. My name is James Rea. I'm an automotive columnist for Bay Area News Group, and I publish the website, theweeklydriver.com. My co-host is Bruce Aldrich, and our guest today is a man I met briefly uh, during Monterey Auto Week uh, in August. His name is uh, Everett Singer, but everybody calls him Tony, so I hope we can call you Tony. That sounds good to me. Okay, Tony. He's a... Tony uh, is, um, owns an interesting company. He began the memorabilia part of Monterey Auto Week many years ago, and his uh, website is vintageautoposters.com, and uh, he's very knowledgeable, knowledgeable about um, the, the world of memorabilia, and particularly in his specialty area. So, uh, Tony, thanks for being available to be our guest today on the Weekly Driver Podcast. Sure. Can Happy you, to do it. Thank you. Can you can you give us an overview, please, of how your part of Monterey Auto Week, which is now we all know is about two weeks actually, how how it how it developed for you and and where the idea came from? I know we touched upon this when I met you in Monterey, but uh, could you give our listeners an overview of of um, your area? Sure. So, for years back in the eighties and nineties, I was going to Europe and buying in particular posters, vintage automotive posters. And there were some vendors at the uh, vintage races at Laguna Seca who would show up every year. And I would be there at 8 o'clock on Thursday morning when they were setting up to see what they had brought over from, from England and would usually buy a few things or many things, depending upon what riches they were able to find. And I said something to them about, I was thinking about moving to the Monterey Peninsula, and then we were talking about some of these shows that I had been going to in Europe. And they said, well, why don't you do a show? And I looked at the two of them, and it's like, what? <laughs> yeah. I don't know anything yeah. about shows. Yes. And 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 the guy one of the two guys said to me, "Well, actually you do because you've been going to these things for years and you know what you like to see." And I said to them, "You know, let me think about that." And the next year I started Automobile Monterey. There you go. And what year are we talking about? 2003 was the first year of it. And was has it always been at um, Embassy Suites? Uh, I've been yes. there a few times. Always started, it started there and it continues to be there. It's uh, Right. Okay. When, when I was researching at that time, there was only, at that moment, two venues available. One was far too large and very expensive. And then there was the, the whole ballroom at Embassy Suites which has turned out to be a perfect size. It's about 93 or 400 square feet. And it, it just, it really allows a great venue for people to, to, to casually look at things and chat with, with vendors and take their time and see what's there. And in the past couple years, uh, Embassy Suites has invested a fair amount in that ballroom in that they changed the colors of the carpet. 
They changed the color of the walls, and they changed the lighting to LED. So now it is bright and alive, and it's just, it's really quite fabulous. It is. I have to, a little bit of a confession. Um, I hadn't been to that part of the show before, but I always knew that, oh, for other events, there's a will call area for picking up tickets uh, for Laguna Seca or other events. And so I would, you know, go in for a few minutes. But when I I wanted to do uh, some um, articles about it, I went in and and exactly what you said was true. It, It opens up into this really nice space and you turn left and um, within about the first five minutes that you had these um, vendors out front that were having an auction and it was my indoctrination. There was a man who walked up, I think it was even before the show opened and he bought a, uh, a tie that had either vintage automobiles on it or something. And he, he bought the option of buying it something now. And, and within it was within a minute of the show opening. Somebody had already bought a, a tie, and, and so they had those nice, the nice entryway there with doing things for a charity, I believe, or maybe more than one charity. Right. And that was no, a great, just, just the one charity. Just the one charity. It's the Monterey County Rape Crisis Center. They've been the charity of choice uh, from day one. And what you're referring to is the silent auction that Thank you. is outside of the room. Yes. So one does not have to come into the room if they just wanted to see what was there. And there's a starting price, there's a buy it now price, and then there's what we consider to be or they consider to be, the whoever's donated the value of the particular item. And you usually can buy it now at about 75% of what the real value is. And then some things just get bid crazy priced. It was, it was a, the, and the, the women who were working there were all very accommodating and, and it was great just to have some conversations because they were so nice. And it was a real nice welcome, at least from my eyes, um, into the big room, which was also very eye-opening for me. I had no idea that there were all these different areas of memorabilia from the, the husband and wife who had the Ferrari area to your area with the great posters to the, the right. people doing models, specialty model. I mean, all over the map. I was just, I was blown away by um, the variety of automo- automobile memorabilia. Well, the, the, the concept was from the beginning that it was anything and everything that pertained to the automobile, just not the car itself. Yes. So it could be photos, it could be mascots, it could be models, it could be posters, um, Artwork, photography, books, literature, uh, owner's manuals, toolkits. It just, it, it's almost unending. Yes. Tony, and I was... Every year is different, which is really interesting. Yes, it is. I, I, sh- I should mention that in particular in the very beginning, when there were just events like on Thursday through Sunday, the biggest challenge in the beginning was in motivating people to come to the Monterey Peninsula early. Now that's less of an issue because there's so much on even early in the week. And because of that, I changed the, the days of the show starting this year from being a Tuesday, Wednesday show to now being Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And that's had great response 
from from attendees and 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 the press that it really helps because it takes a lot of pressure off of people if they were going to do something on one day or the other day or both days they now have this option on monday that's great wow. hey tony yep. i i see you have a lot of memorabilia stock I, I was looking at your website and it's it's really interesting stuff where do you where do you acquire this? Is there a typical, I mean, estate sales, uh, people call no. you? How do you get no, it? What, ha- what, what happens with me, in, in, the, in the poster world, there's um, a group, an international group called the International Vintage Poster Dealers Association. Their initials are IVPDA. And I've been a member, and you can only be asked and elected to be a member if you only sell original posters. Okay. And of these 60 or 70 people who are worldwide, everybody, excepting me, is a generalist. So they'll have food, they'll have wine, they'll have travel, they'll have cars and planes, they may have cars, planes, etc., and I would tell you that about a third of what I have, I buy from other dealers because they have no way to attract the automotive enthusiast, whereas I do. Between my email list, which people are welcome to join, um, and the advertising that I do, and now having this e-commerce site, it makes things even easier. So things are available there. I I will go to some shows. Uh, there's really only two now that I go to: the LA Lit Meet and the and Retromobile in in Paris, where sometimes I can find things. Because I've been doing this now for over 39 years, I have people come to me. Oh, my my uncle passed away. My father passed away. My you know whatever it may be. Sure. Gee, I'm getting divorced. I mean, there's all kinds of reasons for people to be letting go of what they've accumulated. Yes. And the and the other thing that's really been interesting with my with my business is because I have so many contacts in Europe and in the United States, I'll have people who will just say, look, I'm, 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 I'd really love to find this poster. And it's like, okay, I'll make note of it. I'll, I'll do a search. And probably three quarters of the time I can find what they want. That's interesting. I know that when um, you guys were setting up, I'm trying to get this visual in my mind where you were, there was another business across from you, and I was looking at both businesses, and I'm not here to, I can't even remember what the other business was, but what triggered for me was an area that I was curious about, because it's happened in other, it's happened in the sports world, where there's fraud, and we had a brief conversation about that, and I also talked at length to the people who had the Ferrari uh, business there, memorabilia and, and brochures and so forth. Um, what is the fraud situation in memorabilia in the in the automotive space? Well, it's it, it is one where you need to be careful. 
I mean, there was one guy out of Michigan, I think, at one point, who was reproducing mascots in various metals. And, um, you know, he may have been being honest, and I'm not saying that he wasn't, in, in marketing his stuff. And somebody buys it maybe 20 years ago. And then it changes hands once or twice. And now it's perceived to be original when, in fact, it wasn't. Yes. In the, po- in the poster world, there are numbers of reproductions out there that are touted to be original when they're not even close. And I've been involved with a number of, of auction houses where if I see something that's, that they, they are offering that is not original, I'll get on their case, and I will stay on their case until they, until they um, withdraw the, the, the lot. Because it's, my assumption, and whether it's right or it's wrong, my assumption is, is that when somebody is looking, they may or may not be educated and experienced enough to know that what they are looking at is original or it's a reproduction. And it's, I take it as my duty to just be handling originals. So what I do at my show is that, as an example, I do not allow jaclés, which are um, very good quality, basically a color Xerox. They're... Yes. they're, they're, they're um, you can print one, you could print 50, you could print 500, and they'll all be the same. This, my background, my career was in the high-end printing business. I used to print posters for various people, yes. among many other things. So an original printed poster, there will have been a finite number depending upon the method that was used, et cetera, in the day. Okay, so that's one thing. But when you are dealing with a jacle, you may decide you want one today, and they'll print one. And five years from now, somebody else wants one, and they'll print one, and it'll look exactly the same. It's a wonderful process. But, but if it is being marketed to somebody who understands what it is that they are buying. Yes, my, my wife is an, is an artist, and I, I was unfamiliar with the term gicle until we started going to open studios in Santa Cruz. And Tell me what it is. I don't yeah, know what it's, it is. It's a, it's a real, as, as Tony said, it's a, a real high-end print, but Tony, you're the expert. But I, I was unfamiliar with it, but then my wife started to explain you know, how... how uh, uh, artists, ceramic sister painters have mixed feelings about Clay too. So um, kind of thanks for explaining that, but give us a, give us a definite, a working definition of, of the term. So a Clay to, to take the negative side of it, yes. it's a glorified color Xerox. If you want to take the positive side of it, it is an extremely fine reproduction of some artwork, whatever it is. And, and when I say reproduction, it could be your wife's painting, as an example, yes. that now she decides that she wants to, 
to to do an edition of of prints because she only has one original painting. Yes. But she could make, if you will, an infinite number of prints of that. Now, in in the old days when people were doing ink on paper f- for art, you'd do a press run of 500 pieces and you were done. Okay, now you had a, a much greater outlay of doing a color separation, the plates, the printing, and you had to store it. Okay, the beauty of Jaclay is, yes, your per price cost to do this print is higher, but you don't have to inventory anything. Yes. You just, you just print one. And six months from now, somebody wants another one, and you print one. Yes. It, I mean, it is fabulous from the art standpoint, as long as somebody understands what it is that they're buying. They're not buying an authentic, original poster. They're buying a Jaclay. Tony, talk about pricing. How do you figure out a price for some of this stuff? Is it recent sales or, or what? In, in, my pers- in my personal world, it is based upon my costs. And, and that's pretty much it. Um, I mean, there are times when you, you want to know that you're being close to the market whatever that if one can define it as a market but but nine times out of ten it really is dependent upon what something has cost me most of the time i'm buying a poster that is just paper and then i have everything professionally archival linen mounted um, as much because it eliminates issues in handling and damage and it it is then immediately frameable. So you, it, it, you've taken paper, and the, the nature of paper always is one of two things. It's either absorbing or giving off moisture. And if you've seen a poster that was not mounted in a frame, it, more than likely you will see ripples in that poster. Now, that's not a defect in the printing, and it's not a defect in the, the framing. What it is is that over time, that poster has absorbed some moisture and given off some moisture, and it's gotten hot and it's gotten cold. And what ends up happening is that because it is not a particularly stable situation, it gets these waves or ripples. But when you, when you adhere a, a poster with with um, the, the, in, in the archival linen process, you now have affixed it to acid-free paper that has been affixed to canvas or linen so that now you have this very stable substrate that, that you can roll you're not going to tear it. I mean, that's not to say one couldn't if they really wanted to, but you have this stable situation that is then frameable, and it will not have have this this whole uh, change of, of of humidity and moisture, et cetera, because now it's affixed to a stable situation. 
Now, in the 70s in particular, late 60s, 70s, early 80s, and even to this day, to some degree, there's another process, which is death to a poster of value, and it's something called dry mounting. Now, the beauty of professional archival linen mounting, which, by the way, is the worldwide museum standard. Yes. Okay, it's, it's not like, gee, Tony Singer decided this is the greatest thing since sliced bread. Everybody has this. Everybody does this because it conserves and preserves the image. Now, the complete opposite to this is something called dry mounting. And dry mounting is something, uh, let me just back up one second. In, in the archival process, the, the glue, if you want to call it that, is a wheat adhesive that is water-based. So let's just say for some crazy reason, 20 years from now, somebody wants to take this thing off, off the canvas. Yes. You could put it in a water bath, and you could lift that poster right off. Now, again, the opposite of this is dry mounting. Dry mounting is a solvent-based adhesive using pressure and heat to affix a poster to some substrate. It could be foam core, it could be cardboard, it could be a variety of things. It's what I used to do with my cameras, with my uh, photographs. Right. It's cheap, it's fast, and it works. And it's perfectly fine if you've just bought a 10 or $20 poster, you want to throw it up in your garage, and who cares? Who cares? But if you've taken something, and, and let's face the facts, we don't know what, what tomorrow's values are going to be, but if you take a poster that, has, that was a giveaway, let's just say you're at the Porsche dealership, you know, back in the, in, in the 60s when I used to go to the Porsche dealership in Denver, they give you a poster. Well, if you went out and linen mounted that, if you went out and dry mounted that thing, You've just trashed that poster because reversing it, there are a few people who can do it, and it is frightfully expensive. Yeah, and there's no, guarantee, there's no guarantee of success. Just like my Jimi Hendrix posters. and uh, Yeah, all those rock yeah. posters I threw away was, uh, oh my gosh. Out, they're still out <laughs> in the garage, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, Tony, uh, which, how you're in explaining all this in such great detail I remember you were discussing um, while I was there observing on, on Monday of the show in August. Um, I think there were three gentlemen there from Italy, and they were. Oh, I'm sorry, no. There was a there was two groups. There were three men from Italy, and there was another group of men from Japan. And uh, that you were having a, a purchase. It was great to watch that transaction. And I asked you between the two customers, and with understanding that you had business to take care of, about the niche within the niche. And I think you were explaining to me that some of the early um, movie posters that re that are involved in autom the automobile area, maybe with Paul Newman or Steve McQueen or some other uh, somebody else, I'm forgetting. So, uh, could you enlighten us on, on on the niche of of the value of certain areas of automotive posters? Well, the movie posters are 
their own thing. Yes. And there are people who generally will be, let's just say, I don't know, they're, they're into Mustangs. Yes. Or they're into this or that. And they'll want any, any movie, they might want a movie poster that happens to have uh, McQueen driving bullet. As yes. an example. Yes. Okay. Um, but in, in the world that I'm active in, that's less of a, of a, of a, of a collectible. Yes. The collectibles tend to be either factory produced pieces, whatever that factory might be, Porsche or whoever. Um, they could be event posters. So a particular race is taking place. There might be a beautiful illustration on the on the on the poster, and then you, the other one is, can be what I describe as commemoratives. So, um, castrol oil was used in the winner of this particular race, yes. and there might be there might be an illustration. There might be it, it, everybody does it differently. the The other thing that that I find very interesting with this is that. There's this great evolution that one can see in graphic art and graphic design over the course of the years of posters being done. So automotive posters and posters in general started um, around 1895 or so, the automotive ones. Yes. And these were mostly for, for the advertising of whatever it, it might be. They'd be put up on kiosks, on, on the sides of buildings or wherever, um, sometimes in, even in uh, subways and all that. And in that day, photography was very, very rare to see it in such a large format. Because remember, you had to have something that was going to be large enough that A, could be, be put on that kiosk, and B, that could be visible at a distance. So we're not, looking at, we're not worrying about what an ad looks like in a magazine. We're looking at something that's you know, three foot high and two foot wide, and you're going to see it across the street, yes. and it's going to catch your eye. So what was happening, and this kept on... There are a few exceptions, but certainly until at least the mid-30s, everything was art. There was virtually no photography. So the, all these different people, whether it was the factories, the, the, the uh, event people, putting on a race at Nürburgring or wherever, or Castrol or Dunlop or somebody – these people were engaging artists to, to depict what they wanted. So you, you weren't worrying about, gee, I've got to get this just right angle photograph of, of this car doing whatever. The artist could do whatever you want. Yes. Okay, and some of the stuff that came out is just unbelievable, incredible creativity and use of color and use of contrast and and all and then 
a little bit in the 30s. Not much was really happening in the 40s. It sort of reverted back to art. And then in, into the 50s, you start really seeing photography coming into the process and into the 70s and thereafter it's almost all photographic there's there's not that much because of art because the artists wanted more money and photography was cheap yes so um, the, the the whole process changed gotcha. the oh. art process of so I'm, I'm assuming that we can, we, from that, we can extrapolate that the posters that were created by artists, as opposed to posters created by photographers, are are more rare and this, and thus more valuable. Um, but I would break that down a little bit more finely, and mm-hmm. that is, pre-war stuff really has become quite rare. Some of it is quite spectacular, and yes, it's expensive. Yes. Um, you know, you're talking about things that are, this is a real generalization, but, you know, they can be uh, seven, $10,000 up to low 30s. My goodness. Let's just say. And then you look at uh, post-war, 50s and 60s, with exceptions you're talking about things that are in the many hundreds of dollars to three, five thousand dollars, depending upon what 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 the thing is. There are there are exceptions to this, um, depending upon rarity, etc. But that's that's just a, a general sense of where this is all going. Gotcha, Tony. I was going to ask you, what are a couple of your most rare pieces and or most expensive ones? What are they? Um, presently, the, the probably the the rarest and 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 most expensive. I have a thirty three Monaco done by Geo Ham, who was a prolific designer um, who worked from the the twenties through literally into the fifties. The, the man was just incredible, but he he has a look to his work. That that's that's quite unique, um, and you know that's that's a poster that today is around thirty thousand. Wow. Uh, there's an, there's another one called Grand Prix Swiss, which is a Swiss Grand Prix poster for the event. It was on the cover of the book that was done for the Swiss Grand Prix, and that's in the high twenties. Um, I mean, I have. I have a a lot of of posters in that genre and and it's interesting having done this for so long and been exposed to so much how one's eye changes over time. Yes. And I mean I've been really surprised by it myself because you know I started out just being focused on Porsche and then got involved to a, 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 a some extent with Ferrari, even though there's, there's relatively little material um, from the, the era that I'm, I like. I mean, I like things from, from let's just say 1895, 1900 
through the 60s as a general statement. And then after that, you know, cars started sprouting wings and spoilers. And I just, aesthetically, they just stopped being uh, appealing to me. But the, the, the pieces post-war, it just, it depends upon the event and, and who's done it. I mean, there are some really, really wonderful pieces that are very fairly priced, you know, a thousand, two thousand, three thousand dollars. But to me, one of the things that I bring to the table and I think is essential for somebody who's thinking about buying something is that one knows what they're buying from the standpoint, okay, you may walk in and say, well, gee, I really like that poster that's up there, and I tell you, okay, it's $2,500. And you say, whoa, I didn't realize. I thought that was a reproduction. Well, no, it's original. And then you, it sort of gives you a reset as to what am I looking at, why is this a value, and then the person behind it, a la me, Okay, or some other dealers who will stand behind their work that I am guaranteeing you this is original. Yes. Now, in 39 and a half years, I have never had a poster returned to me because it wasn't original. That's interesting. Wow. I remember interviewing, as a quick aside, I remember interviewing a man many years ago who collected um old baseball bats from major league baseball players and he much like you you guys are you know the experts of experts and he eventually was hired by i think it was Sotheby's to be a person who would authenticate if a baseball right. bat came across you know the auction line he would he would tell them whether it was the cleat marks in the baseball bat were original or if somebody put um, did it with a you know a, a knife or something and he he became an expert for the auction houses to determine you know authentic, right. authentic right. areas of, of baseball bat collection and yeah. i think a little bit unlike you I, I was you know i met the guy he was a sacramento guy and i walked in and he said well do you want to hold ty cobb's bat first or babe ruth's bat first and it was you know, he, he, he won me over in about 10 seconds, which was great. Right. So in, right. It's pretty cool. Pretty cool stuff. So I was going to ask one last thing. When when people come to, to you for purchasing these things, can you categorize them? or, or And I don't want to diminish it in any ways. Are there people who are putting up, a, let's say, a sports uh, automobile-focused pub or uh, a museum? Or who are your customers? Or, or are they all over the map? For the most part, they're all over the map. Yeah. Uh, I would say to you, on a commercial basis, that's fairly rare. I've had it happen, and in fact, this week I'm sending uh, five or six posters to um, a, a museum in Florida uh, who was Shelby and, and Cobra-focused. Uh, but that's more the exception. Generally speaking, either somebody is knocked out about a particular mark or brand of a car. They may be so they they may want things from a particular era, 
or gee, they they only want Porsche three five six and nothing else. Yes. Or they they remember their father took them to Sebring when they were a kid, and they want whatever they can find that might relate to a particular time that they were there. I've had I've had a couple of people buy a poster literally because their birth date was on it. Uh, that's great. That's great. I mean, it's just it. it there, there's no. There's no simple answer it's just and and for me I, I and this is the advice i give to everybody and i practice what i preach and that is only buy what you love yes you are the only person who's going to be viewing this thing whether it's every day in your office or your den or you know every three or five days in your garage environment whatever it is you have to love it it doesn't make any difference if this poster is worth ten dollars a thousand dollars ten thousand it doesn't make any difference yes if you don't love it that's all that counts that's perfect walk on by that's a perfect uh answer and 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 a perfect way tony to to uh, kind of finish up our, our time with you, I if, uh, what's coming into my mind is you've been doing this 39 years and you have so much passion for what you do. It's like it's coming through the microphones into my ears and pr- hopefully the audience will think so because you just have so much uh, enthusiasm for, for what you do. Um, we want to encourage people to visit your website, vintageautoposters.com. Uh, again, Tony, uh, singer, uh, I, I don't know. Do you live in the? Uh, do you have a, a only a web presence, or can people come on and look where you where you well, live, or I do you have, have an office or a studio of some sort? I, I have a web presence, which so everything is there. Yes, and from time to time, I'll have people come to my house if they look if they're in the area, they want to buy something, or they you know, I mean. I don't have a gallery as yes. such. Everything is in flat files. Yes. So it, it, it's not conducive from, from the standpoint of, oh, let's just walk in and see. Let me see. I, I don't know what's going to appeal to me. Let me look at everything. Yes. Well, that's, that's just impossible. Yes. That's, that's why from day one this has been web-driven. I mean, not Originally it wasn't, but yes. you know, in the last fifteen or so years, it's web-driven because you know it, it could be eleven o'clock at night and you're in your PJs and you and you just have a bee in your bonnet. Oh, gee, you know, I want to go find a Nurburgring thing, or poster or whatever. Yes. And it's like, okay, you can go on my site. There's a search function. You can type in a, a track. You can type in a year. You can type in a brand of car. Whatever. I, I will tell you as an aside, through a dealer, this just happened last night. And I've known about this particular poster for a long time. I have never seen one. I've seen one as a two-sheet giant size. And I've had this thing as, as a, uh, a little window card, like, you know, eight and a half, eleven kind of thing. Yes. So I... I just bought this poster. I paid a lot of money, and I am just wowed by that I could finally find this thing that I've 
lusted after. And that's, that's just the way I feel about this stuff. And, you know, if, if I can share with other people, that's great. I mean, everything that I buy for inventory and, and for myself, I, I really love it. Because, I, as I said, I, pr- I practice what I preach. If, if it doesn't rock me to the core, I don't care how good a deal it is. Yes. Because I'm I'm not behind it. I, I I just don't I just don't feel that way. And let me just throw out one one last crazy thing about sure. prices. Um, a poster. I think in the last twelve or eighteen months, something like that, sold at auction in New York City, and it's just it's a very uh, moody, beautiful poster from the '30s by this uh, this artist Charles Lupo, L O U P O T. Yes, and it's of this lady driving this car, but it's a real tight shot uh, art uh, of, of her driving this car. And this poster sold at auction for one hundred and fourteen thousand dollars. My goodness! Oh boy. Yeah. Wow. And, and it is stunning. I mean, there are three examples known to exist. Fantastic. And it, it's, just, it's just an amazing piece. I, we can assume that you didn't buy it. Believe it or not, I bought one uh, about eight or nine months beforehand at a fraction of that price. Oh, congratulations. So I felt great. <laughs> I bet you did. <laughs> Tony, that's but, a, but, that's, go ahead. But, but, but to me, it's not, I don't equate the, per se, the dollars and the art. It's the art and then maybe the dollars. Gotcha. What a, what a great way to, uh, to wrap it up, thank you so much for all of the knowledge. Um, again, people are interested, please visit uh, Tony Singer's website, vintageautoposters.com. Um, now that we've kind of met and, and been acquainted via the podcast, I, I can't really wait till next August. So um, I'll have some, <laughs> uh, we'll have some knowledge and, and uh, we'll shake hands. And, you know, that, that Embassy Suites, I, uh, on a selfish note, I, I did a fair amount of work in the back there. It's so quiet and they have a nice little cafe. I wasn't even aware of that little pub and bar back there it was it was quite delightful to have a beer and a bite to eat back there so everybody should know not only is it a great place to go see um memorabilia but it's it's a nice facility to have a bite to eat and, and relax too they have a, it, a, a great area it yeah it's a great but, area but I, I i will say one thing you don't have to wait until august please to see what i have because my stuff is available 24 7 yes it is I, I will say that automobiliamonterey.com, which is the website for the show, um, you can see the list of vendors from this past year. You'll see some photographs from the show, and you can contact, you know, you might decide, oh, gee, you know, I, 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 I'm interested in, you know, rally badges. Well, there's a guy who specializes in rally badges. Yes. And you can contact him through the site. Yes. It's great. Thank you for, for uh, explaining that to us. Again, really appreciate sure. your time. Yeah, thank Tony, you, Tony. Um, great to chat with you. Thank you for your expertise, and thank you for being our guest on the Weekly Driver 
podcast. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Okay. Bye-bye now. Cheers. Bye. Bye-bye.